Oh, what's up, everybody? This is Mikey Sanchez. I want to thank you guys for always tuning in. Uh, today's episode is a cool conversation with all four of us, our whole crew hanging out, which kind of in a weird way ends up turning into Sal interviewing me, but it's a good one. We talk about a lot of different things that are going on with believers um, and what it means to walk with the Lord and allow him to continue to do work in you as well as doing the work through you. And then we get into some cool personal stuff that we've been through and what God's taught us along the way. Uh, as usual, this episode is brought to you by Vision by Dreamers. Um, so stay tuned for some of the cool stuff that we'll be doing with that. And I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, let's do it. Cool, cool. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us to come together to do this podcast. Um, we're so appreciative, Lord, of the many guests who have come through and the many more that are um, planning on coming through. We pray for today and we ask that the conversation would be led by you. And I also pray for a lighthearted day, Lord, that we would enjoy ourselves. Um, after all, uh, your joy is something that you give to us because of your presence. And so we thank you for that. And um, we ask that you bless the rest of this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Redeemed Podcast. Introducing today, Max Garcia. How are you, brother? Tech crew. Hi. <laughs> cool cool yeah if you guys are listening we did want to kind of just introduce our tech team today uh we have max garcia and then along with us we have lisette my special fiance on the mixer how are you doing lisette good thank you very good All yeah right. so you know you guys know these people but you don't know them they're they're there are the crew that's behind everything that we do from mm -hmm. setup um to editing max does editing um, you guys have met Max before if you watched our podcasts um, because he's been a guest um, on the podcast speaking about his music and the artistic things that he does. But some people don't know that he's um, part of this podcast as far as the regular. The, this is the crew that's always here, mm -hmm. even when a guest isn't here. So I don't know. I, this is pretty funny. <laughs> we're introducing the idea of putting some mics, micing them up. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have a little fun with that today. Yeah. It'll be cool. I think uh, they, they'll be able to add some chime in on a little bit. But I, I want to catch up with Mike today, too. Um, you and I were having a conversation. And then this, we're switching gears here. Mm. But we were having a conversation recently about determining whether the Lord is working through your life or whether it's just you. And I kind of want to pick up on this conversation a little bit. Yeah, I, w I was actually thinking about it. It's interesting. I, I got a chance to take a nap when I got out of work today. And it, it was it was nice, you know. And yeah. uh, But when I woke up, you know what it is? I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. When you fall, If you fall asleep not at your normal sleep time, you get weird mm -hmm. dreams. Mm -hmm. like, so I woke up like kind of didn't know what time it was or what day it was. One of those things, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Twilight Zone. Um, but it was cool because my, 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 um, daughter was asleep too. And she woke up right around the same time. And, um, I could see even more so confusion on her face and it was making me laugh mm. that we were both experiencing that. But as, as, um, I began to get up and then just get ready for this podcast and I felt very thankful, um, for the opportunities we have. I just feel like the Lord is really pouring on me, um, a, a heart of gratitude for that I get to do this. Hmm. I mean, so many times in the middle of doing like a podcast, I've been guilty of telling God, like, Lord, when are you going to open a door? And it's like, this is really a door open for me. And I'm really thankful right. for it. God's using this. But, right. But one of the things that uh, began to occur to me, because 
we had recently had some deep conversations even concerning Robbie Zacharias and some people know like some of the bad stuff that's come out about his life, um, which I'm not interested necessarily in getting into in depth, but um, I, one of the things that is often said in, in believers lives when they um, begin to sort of incrementally graduate towards maturity, right? Like, mm-hmm. like go from just, saved and realizing that God loves you to like getting involved a little bit. Right. And particularly when somebody begins to show talent, right. A young man or young woman that begins to show gifting and talent is their conversation oftentimes shifts from what God's doing in their life to what they desire God to do with their life. Hmm. Right now that's a great, Thing. I think a lot of solid pastors will ask, like, you know, Lord, or, or plant the seeds into a person, you know, the Lord wants to do an amazing thing with your life, or um, a person will start to realize what the gifts that God's given them, that they, they want the Lord to do a great thing um, through their life, mm-hmm. right? So here's where I, I believe a, a danger shows up, though, is not that there's anything dangerous with desiring that God does at work with your life. But when you begin to trade God doing a work in your life for God doing a work with your life. Can you can you define yeah. the, the difference between sure. God doing a work in your life and I, with your life? I don't think that it's that God is doing a different work. Mm-hmm. I think it's a perspective shift that becomes dangerous because then we seek the Lord and seek um, sitting in a Bible study or seek fellowship in the name of what we're going to, what God's going to do with us. And you can lose track of what God is doing in you. Mm. And the reason why that's so important is because when you're realizing what God's doing in you, your focus is the victories that you're having in your life over sin, victories that you're having in your life to overcome things that were hurdles in your life right? So you're focused on what God's doing in you. Mm-hmm. And you're aware that the Holy Spirit is giving you victory. But once your shift is like what you can do, and you start to see yourself do things, right? You're like, you're, you prayed with somebody, and they're like, man, I was so blessed. Or you teach a Bible study, and, and people are like, man, the Lord really spoke to me. You can unplug from focusing on what God is doing in your life. Somebody recently said to me something that's elementary, we hear it all the time. And that is, um, uh, stay teachable. Hmm. And it's sort of along the same concept because once you have a lot to say to people, then whenever you're listening to somebody else teach, you're sort of witnessing their performance. Hmm. You're like, Ooh, that guy brought it today. Hmm, that person's really, you know, chopping that up pretty good, but you're no longer sponge for those messages, those words to come into your life. Right. Right. So the focus has shifted from, from the work that the spirit of God and that it, it, what Jesus is doing in your life. And then it can become easy to ignore small compromises. Right. Right. Because you're still witnessing the success of something that you've created or that you're attempting to do with your life for others and and removing yourself from realizing how important it is Hmm. that you recognize what God is doing in your life. Right. I believe that God doing something with your life should be a byproduct of what God is doing in your life. Hmm. Not 
you know, the hoping foundation. not the opposite, mm-hmm. which is often what happens. Yeah. Like, because I'm teaching, because I'm serving, because I'm doing these things, I'm getting to experience the Lord. Right. See, that's letting, that's letting what the Lord's doing in my life become the byproduct of what my main focus is. Right. Instead of reeling back and saying, the main thing is the relationship with Christ. And that is what God is doing in me. That mm-hmm. is the work. If, if the whole ministry disappeared, if, if I was stuck on an island, that would still be true. God could still do a work in me because he, because I am a spirit and he is spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's alive in me. So, so this is an interesting concept because then it also begins to encourage you, um, with in between chapters where there isn't big things happening with your life Hmm. or in cases that we've talked many times when God's doing a big thing in your life and then it begins to shrink, mm, right? It's right. not, it's not as big as it was. See if, if what God is doing in my life is the byproduct of what God is doing with my life, then I'm discouraged. Right. Because now the main focus is like, it's not happening as big and I feel mm. like something's wrong. But if my focus is what God is doing in my life, my relationship with him, then what he does inevitably with my life because of what he's doing in my life Hmm. becomes the byproduct and you find joy because what he's doing in your life is always constant and i I brought that up alongside the mention of robbie zacharias i don't don't, i'm not interested in bashing somebody Hmm. you know beyond there's enough people doing that but if you know if there's any christians you're probably aware of what an amazing um tool this man was and then the surface after he passes away of all this terrible stuff right. that he was doing. Let me say that sure. I, 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 what it really reminds me of, of what you're talking yeah. about is the difference between the disciples and the Pharisees. Mm. The Pharisees were focused on what God was doing with their life, working in the temple, taking animal sacrifice, dealing with people. But they weren't. They were leaving the heart of the message of what God wanted to do in people's lives. Sure. And then his disciples, when they came in and Jesus was there fellowshipping with them, he was flipping the whole theology almost upside down. Sure. Not entirely, yeah. but well, and that and and I think when looking at that that you just mentioned in depth, mm-hmm. you're you're not just simply pasting the Pharisee and the disciple and saying, Oh, if our ministry looks more like the disciples, then we're right on. Mm. And if our ministry looks like the Pharisee, then we're off. Right. Because you can have the heart of a Pharisee while making your ministry look like what the disciples Mm. are doing. So it's not just painting a contrast between what you can see in observation, but understanding that Jesus was doing a work in their lives and changing them. Mm. And when you hear of a man who is powerful and effective in ministry, but can't have victory in his own personal life somewhere along the lines, he's gotten his eyes off of what God is doing in his life. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm not as aware of the relationship and the overcoming that is available with my relationship with Jesus and have now shifted focus to all the things that I'm trying to do mm-hmm. or, or successfully am doing. Yeah. Which in in the case you just brought up with the Pharisees, they were, they were successful. I mean, society wise Mm -hmm. you know their their ministry was big right Right. so um i think that that's the the seeds i want to plant in in Hmm. it's easier to remove a a a a way that is foul in a person's life if you catch it before it grows Hmm. 
if if you have young men that are excited about what God is doing in their life and they learn this young, it doesn't grow into something that is, how could I ever rebuke a man who's on top of the world? Not rebuke, but how it, it becomes hard to go and plant these seeds at right. the stop because he's just looking at me and saying, do you know how many things you don't even know? Like, mm-hmm. and he's right. So mm-hmm. it's better to, to, you know, when, when, when a plant is growing, you'll see um, gardeners or those who are tending to them that they often will place like a little stick to, mm-hmm. to guide it in the right direction. And it's a lot easier to guide something in the right direction as it's growing mm-hmm. than it is if it's already grown wild out of the, and now all of a sudden you have a whole trunk that is in the wrong direction. You're trying to redirect that. It's not the same, right? right. So I'm interested in pouring into young people like I don't think I purposefully did it, but when I met you and Nick, you guys were a lot younger. And before you guys, it was Jay who was a lot younger than me, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then as as you guys have grown and God's doing work in your life, it's it's just interesting that God brings another young man into my life, and now I'm interested in in pouring as much as I can into mm-hmm. him. And so, you know, I'm not going to go up to senior pastors and start telling them, oh, you know what I've been thinking lately? People need to remember this and right. show them some display of brilliance or something like that. I, I'd rather spend time with young people hmm. and and minister to them uh, in these ways that the Lord's revealing to me, especially when I hear um, big... Tra- what are you doing over there, Max? <laughs> Fixing the light. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I shouldn't have done that, dude. Um, um, but I, 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 I'm interested in 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 molding, you mm. know. Um, and when I, what I was saying is, when I hear of a of a very powerful, um, like pastor, and bad things come out. Hmm. I'm like, I don't even think like with all of that wisdom, I don't even think there's anything I could say to a person in conversation that would make them receive from me. Hmm. Right. Maybe not. Maybe so. Like when Nathan went to, um, David, you know, how hard was it for David to receive from who's Nathan to him? Maybe, right. you know, if David was a King, you know, and God's man, since he was a boy, but the power of Nathan's message to call him out in the name of the Lord. Hmm. And David, here's the beautiful, even though he was already a very messed up man because of some of the things he did, there was enough of, of, of humility in him to, to not just kill Nathan right in that moment and just Mm -hmm. be like, let me wipe this away, you know, to just understand that I'm, I'm, it's revealed. Like I've fallen. Hmm. And, and so you still get to see the molding of God in David's life from that moment forward. Hmm. But if he fails to receive the rebuke, then what happens to him? He, he becomes a wicked king. I mean, we don't know. I'm assuming what would have happened to him, but hmm. he could have wiped out. I mean, we know murders was, was something that he was capable yeah. of. So he could have just wiped out Nathan right there, you know, but he feared the Lord. There's, there's slivers of him left. And that kind of leads me to like another idea too, is mm. like this idea of cancel culture, right? Like are people damned to their worst actions? Mm. Like, right. you know, are you, are you forever marked for the worst version of you that people know of? Mm. If that's true, 
then there's a that explains a lot of why people are always trying to hide everything wrong with them when the Lord's calling us to bring it to light. Right. But they're trying to hide it because of things like cancel culture. Like, dude, if I get labeled the guy who like was doing that or like thinking that, you know, then people are like, oh, dude, yeah, like we know about that guy, you know. I know that's a hard. It's hard though, because for for me, sometimes when you see a leader like that fall, it's personal, and that's the, the divide between man. We we judge, and then on the other side, we're taught grace. I think you got to fight that personal mm-hmm. because because the scripture comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. That says, "No man sins against man, but against his father is in heaven." Mm-hmm. I think we got to fight that personal. I understand it one hundred percent. Especially the more you look up to somebody, the more you feel like. No, not you, dude. Yeah. But the Bible says that, right? And I was having a cool conversation with a good friend of mine who I'd love to have on sometime, Kenny Poor. I I don't know. You Mm. know who Kenny is. And uh, I I love that brother, dude. We have a really good fellowship one-on-one with each other. But um, we were talking and, and I was saying, you know, maybe, just maybe part of our sin when we see a big when a huge leader falls and then the church is hugely affected by that fall. The fact that the church is hugely affected um, is, and I speak as a man, I'm not saying like 100%, but partially we are deeper affected when we've elevated that person higher in our hearts. Right. I think it's important moving forward because of the ability that sin is accessible to so many people, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us as a body moving forward to to not platform men to a degree that should they fall, we're different in the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we shouldn't have our champions. Oh, this guy, dude, he's our champion. You know, this guy, like, dude, you should hear him. Any, send anybody his way and watch what he'll do to them. Any atheist, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. We set ourselves up for a fall because at the end of the day, the right-minded is, who is man? Right. Who is any man? Like mm-hmm. on his best day, the Bible says our, our, our greatest things to offer are like filthy rags. Mm. If we really believe that, Maybe we wouldn't be so surprised when we find out about filthy rags. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not justifying, I'm not downplaying the magnitude and impact of sin, but I'm trying from the, from the perspective of those who are falling, right? If you're a leader, dude, you got to hold yourself accountable. Like, and there's no excuse for that. But if I could protect the body from allowing these things to impact their walk with Jesus. I don't believe that Jesus's desire is for people to fall off because of a leader falling. And so how do I, as a servant of Christ, protect them, right? How do I protect young people from being thrown off Mm -hmm. if a strong leader falls? And my only thing I could think of is to put their emphasis back on Christ, which is such an elementary thing that we say all the time, but it's not all it's always exercised when we're catapulting our guy. When we're yeah. like, dude, this dude is so awesome. Like, he is, bro. And I was talking to uh, Kenny and I was just saying, dude, I feel like I'd rather trade in the talents. And I shared this with you too. Like mm-hmm. trade exchange the talents and display of my my capabilities 
for the power of what God is doing in my life. And that's where those mm-hmm. thoughts were birthed when I was sharing with you the difference between what God is doing in your life versus what you're trying to do for the Lord right now. Like what, you know, and that balance is important in this next chapter that we're going into, right? Because ministry is changing. We see it, mm-hmm. right? Like with what's going on with COVID, like what happened in 2020, like what emerges from that? Not only not only that, but we see a new season. We see a lot of our, our very impactful teachers that we've known, right, as we've grown, we see them getting older in age, some of them passing away, you know? And so you, you, you inevitably know that, that God is raising up Hmm. and he, and a page is turning. Right. And so moving forward, how do we, how do we make sure that we're not just a damned generation because, because we're the society that could reach sin with our cell phones, because we're the society that Hmm. just has, we're being brainwashed and you can, you can never tell when who's telling the truth. How do we protect? I think this is a good conversation piece. How do we protect and how do we move forward in effective ministry? You know, and I I believe that people need to get back in tune with the power of what God is doing in their life. Mm. And w- before they get excited about that, they're going to go join a ministry and start evangelizing. It's like, take a step back and say, Lord, I desire for you to teach me victory over my flesh. First, mm. I desire for you to teach me victory over sin in my life so that I may proclaim to people what it is that you are capable of doing Hmm. instead of displaying yourself as a brilliant communicator and, and getting a bunch of fans that are just like, wow, check out this guy's mind and how great he is. Right. Moving forward. Let us be people who can testify to the amazing power of God in Hmm. our individual lives. I I got something for you, bro. Yeah. It's actually going to come. If you're willing from Lisette, what what you're talking about of the, the Lord just using you mm-hmm. without you trying to create this mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Lisette was just telling me the other day at work, she had a really cool story. You want to share with them what the Lord did through you that uh, the other night with Sam? Yeah. Um, so I have this coworker, his name is Sam, and he's like the soldier guy. And um, he's a veteran, so he was in the Marines. Mm-hmm. And then he went off to be... Um, a cop and then he retired and now he's working at the psychiatric hospital that I work at. And I was, I was talking with another coworker when I came in and put myself down and he asked me like, so how was your day? And I was like, Oh, it was good. You know, we did a Bible study and Sam was in the room. And so Sam like looked up and he was like a Bible study. He's like, what are you? And then I was like, Oh, I'm Christian, you know? And so we all kind of started talking about it. And then, um, I we started talking about the how the different religions teach like the different parts of the Bible and he said that Christianity only teaches or like focuses on the New Testament Mm. and I was like well I was like we teach on the whole Bible I was like the whole thing you know from beginning to the end I was like so we my fiance who's like the pastor of the church he goes based off of Chuck Smith's like notes and that's how we study it you know and he was like Chuck Smith he's like I know that guy like I served with that guy and you know by no means I don't I didn't I never thought he was like a believer he never like I think he said sometimes like about God and stuff but he like brushes it off and Mm. so I never thought he was a believer or anything so he's like hey I know that guy he's like I went out to surf in like Huntington one time when he was like still alive of course and like he came up to me and he was like hey do you know about Jesus no way and 
Sam was like, nah, he's like, nah, I really don't want to know about it. Cause he's like, I went through this phase after, um, when I was a cop that I just, I didn't want to know anything about God. I didn't want anything to do with God. And Chuck Smith was just talking to him about Jesus, telling him like how he loves him and stuff. And so he's like, so that was the only day that they met. He said that a year later at that same spot in Huntington, he went back there and um, Chuck Smith was there again. And he was like, hey, Sammy, remember me? And that Sam was just Dang. like blown away. And he was like, how many people do you talk to a day? And Chuck Smith goes, oh, I talk to like a thousand people a day, like, you know, about a thousand. And Sam was like, so how is it that you spoke, you have spoken to that many people and you remember me? Mm. And Chuck Smith used that to say, like, do you think it's more than a coincidence that we're here right now in the mm. same exact spot. And I'm telling you about Jesus again. And Sam told me that it, it like really touched his heart. Mm. And he said that Chuck Smith changed his life. Like after that, he like started going for a little bit. And um, he said that when he died though, that it affected him so much that he like was, he cried about it. And um, ever since his passing that he didn't want anything to do with God again. Mm. And, um, I was talking with him and I was like, well, why is that? And then we kind of started talking about Raul Reese also because I told him, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, my fiance, his home church is Golden Springs where Raul Reese teaches. Mm. He's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And he's, he started telling me about his testimony, about Raul Reese's testimony. He was like, that's that to me is is like crazy how like he tried to like kill himself and, mm. you know, all that. And I was like, Sam, like if God did that to Raul Reese's life, like how much more can you do in your life? Because then later he started telling me, because I asked him, I was like, so do you believe? He was like, yeah, I believe. He's like, but I'm done with that. He's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die. I'm, I'm just like ready. He's like, I, there's, I have too many sins in my life to ever mm. go back. And mm. I was like, if God did it with Raul Reese, who had that many sins to carry, where he wanted to kill his family and kill himself. I was like, and he look what he did in his life. Mm. I was like, he can do that same thing to you. And he was just like, no. And he, he like had tears in his eyes as mm. he was telling me. So I can mm. see the pain, you know, that he was that he was trying to express. But he was just so stubborn to believe that that he he couldn't go back to the Lord. And he even said briefly, he was like, ever since I killed a kid. And I'm thinking this was back when like the, when he was a cop, because he's mentioned that before that mm. he something happened. And so he like drew his gun and um, he ended up killing yeah. a kid, I guess. Uh, whether it was in defense or whatever, I'm not sure. But because of that, he cannot like he believes in his mind that he has too much of a burden to ever go to the Lord and be like clean, mm -hmm. you know. So, so yeah. Me. So then we were praying for Sam, mm -hmm. and she told me the story. But the way it all lined up to me, I was like, whoa, that was a divine appointment mm -hmm. for yeah. you to just be there and then bring up Chuck Smith and yep. his heart and mind just go, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. So uh, to me, that's like an example of kind of like just, you know, being available with the Lord working through you. Sure. You know? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that stand out beautifully to me in the story is the organic way that the Lord comes up right in the conversations. Mm. Um, sometimes as Christians, like, and I'm not bashing, like going out and bringing it up. I'm about that. I believe that's important. But there's something to be said about divine appointment. When, when you say to a person, in the case of Pastor Chuck, in the case of your conversation with him, a person is aware that it's divine appointment. Hmm. Not that it's a person working for a ministry that is up to his scheme or something. And there's something to be said about that. 
right? About a Christian being in tune with divine appointment. Hmm. That where I go, I'm with the Lord. And who I speak to, it's God's timing. So that's important to me and has changed my idea of what evangelism is in my life. I don't really see myself as an evangelist, but I think evangelism is a byproduct because of, in my life because of divine appointment. I believe mm. that a conversation sparked up with people is God, mm. you know? Another thing that really stands out in your story um, that kind of breaks my heart, but it's I, I want to bring it up because I think it's a trap that um, a lot of people fall into. And that is the way, the the weighing of sin, you know, like the idea that uh, you have a person over here that is way outside of God's graces because he has many sins, mm -hmm. and a person over here who's probably good because they have very little sins. When the Bible says that heaven standard is perfect, right? You know that you teach that the standard of perfection, and so all of us have fallen short, and so now. You know, if you if you're a little bit stinky or a lot stinky, you're still stinky. You know right. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and and you need to be washed. Yeah. You know, so you could brag all you want that person's worse than you, but if you need to be washed, you need to be washed. You're mm -hmm. dirty. So there is no cleaner. There is cleaned by the blood, and then there's filthy. And that's what the Bible teaches us that we're all filthy mm -hmm. sinners so that's what i think is important for a man like sam to understand is that he's right to know that he doesn't have what it takes to be in the presence of god mm. but neither does anybody and that's the part he doesn't know mm. right um my heart goes out for sam because clearly clearly the lord there's a tender place in his heart for the lord Right, but there's this. What is that noise? You got who did that? <laughs> who did that? No, just kidding. Um, but clearly, um, the enemy wants to keep him at bay for a misunderstanding that the Lord's love is not is not um, a temperature gauge for the righteous. Hmm. It is that. The Bible says that while you were yet in your sins, Christ loved you and died for you. Mm. And so that tells us that his love is not contingent upon our goodness. Yeah. His love reaches us in the filth of who we are. And that's really what Sam needs to know is that the Lord loves him ever so much as he did when he before he ever did anything terrible. And as much as he loved him when he was responding to what Pastor Chuck was saying, he loves him to this day. Hmm. the same exact way in that you know the bible teaches us with the prodigal son because you might be able to call sam a prodigal right because he believed at one point i don't know what his relationship with god is hmm. but but when you hear the story of the prodigal son you always notice when you read through it that when the son well you don't always notice but hopefully solid teaching will point out to you that when the son returns the father was looking for him he didn't find like a dad who was satisfied apart from his son's presence. Right. You find a man who, when he saw him, he ran to him because, because it wasn't all right that his son was lost. Hmm. And the same would be for Sam. Like the Lord's not just cool with the fact that he's distant when at one point he was drawn close. Right. 
And so it has nothing to do with Pastor Chuck Smith or Pastor Raul Reese. It has to do with Jesus. And mm -hmm. Jesus only used Pastor Chuck, right? And Pastor Raul and these stories, these amazing stories to communicate his love for Sam mm -hmm. in, in particular, right? Not just to verbalize, not just to generalize these, but to understand that, that, that that's true for an individual. Not just he loves mankind. That's true. But when you're talking to a person, they understand that that he loves you and he's and he and he's aware of your distance hmm. and how much that hurts you and there's nothing the bible says there's nothing too big for him to forgive you know hmm. that the only yeah we always go to the you know the impardonable sin but that's not that's not what we're talking about when he's listening to a guy like sam right hmm. so there's nothing that sam has done that is unforgivable by god and the distance between him and Christ mm -hmm. is a tragic one, hmm. right? That he only needs to stop believing the lies of the enemy and, and just seek the Lord, you know, so. It, re yeah. it reminded me of that Bible verse of like how the Lord like forgets our sins. And I wanted to tell him about mm. that too, but then I had to get on the floor. In due time. And, yeah, I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be praying for you. Huh. Um, that's funny though, because uh, I'm teaching the women's Bible study this Friday. And I was trying to find a topic that I wanted to teach on. And I was reading this devotional on um, the YouVersion app. And it was a devotional on like really the battle within, right? Mm. And how like internally we're really our own enemies sometimes. And like we are actually doing the work for the enemy sometimes also. Mm. So in, in, um, in the study, I want to like, make sure it's it's uh clarified how um like if if we just stick to our devotionals and like if we um instead of like being negative about things to be positive about them and like really give them to the lord how like he can do a change in our hearts um and so for him i really felt like i kind of i had a heavy heart for him because yeah. i was like in his own in his own heart in his own mind he thinks that he has such a huge burden that he can never be loved by the mm. Lord when mm. really that's not it. And yeah. in that case, he himself is his own enemy at yeah. that point. And, and like the enemy is satisfied with that. Yep. Mm. So. There, you know what? Just today I got a text message from old friend from high school. You might've met him once, like when I was first hanging around the church, but a good friend of mine uh, went to high school together and we both got saved really close to the same time like I got saved and he got saved a few months after me and then we were both going to Golden Springs for a, a short season um, and then he fell away uh, a few years went by I was, I was walking as a Christian and he fell away hard like gone and we used to have this thing and I'll still do it every once in a while I'll tell guys like hey if you ever need prayer just and you just need prayer you don't even have time to text me or you don't want to say what it is, just send me a plus sign. That's what my brother Johnny does. Maybe that's where I picked it up from. Yeah. And today I haven't heard from this guy in like years. And then all of a sudden plus sign. Really? And I was just like, whoa, dude. And so I was just like praying for you, man. Um, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'll, uh, okay. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and I just wanted, I told him, I was like, hey, if you ever want to meet up. Yep. Um. I'm available, bro. And he's like, for sure. I, I appreciate it. And then I was like, hey, God loves you and has a plan for your life. Mm. But hey, and I was kind of hesitant. Like, uh, do I, I was like, ah, do I say this? I was like, I don't know where he's at with the Lord. I was like, you know what? He needs to hear it. Yeah. Sent it. 
Let me put thanks, man. I needed to hear that. Mm. So it's, you know, just when the Lord puts you in that spot, you're not trying. That's super cool to me, yep. for me. Um, but there's a, also a topic with that that we're all kind of bringing up. Mm-hmm. To me, it's the mercy, the grace of God. I've been harping on it lately just because I'm going through Exodus, the plagues, all that, Pharaoh hardening his heart. And I see so much mercy and I, uh, it reflects in my life to me where I'm on one side looking at the idolatry of Egypt and saying, you know what? The Lord requires holiness and he uses chastening and trials in our life to bring us to that place of brokenness. And then on the other side, I'm also seeing sometimes we could view God as a oh, cruel God. He's, he's, you know, attacking the Egyptians but 10 different times he's giving them each time a chance to repent. And he kept saying no, kept saying no, hardening his heart. And I realized you know, when I just allow the Lord to really allow the text to speak to me, it's, it's changing me right mm-hmm. now. It's like yep. for real putting me in a place where I, you and I were just talking about this. I even, and I totally said the other day too, I said, Lord, I want to make sure that it's you, not me. If you want me to even shut shut the, the church down, Lord, what, whatever you, you want me to do, yeah. don't don't be freaking out. It's <laughs> like no. he's turning the church. But no. there, but the reality is, God, if God is calling, going to call me to to shut things down, yep. to go a different path, I I just want to make sure that yeah, at the I'm at in the tune with that at the word of of people with wisdom or insight, hmm. right? You would consider, hey, maybe you know, think about this, maybe. You know, people use logic or use, you know, sound mind to try to like put together, hey, maybe, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this is for you. And people make decisions in life off of that stuff, mm. right? Like I'm not ready to get married or I'm, I'm, for, you know, I think it's time for me to shut this down. Dude. People will make decisions in life off of people, other people's assessments mm. of them. Right. But then when it comes to being before God, it's like the approach to him is is not involving him with the assessment and and what he's doing. Mm. So it's interesting that people will put huge things on the chopping block for people, but reserve so many things off of the chopping block before the Lord. Mm. And my encouragement to anybody who calls himself a servant of God is that everything can be placed on the chopping block. Mm. Everything, like everything gets put before the Lord. And say, and you can, and a servant can say to God, "This is yours." Hmm. And whatever, whatever things y- you could take from me is okay with me. Hmm. Everything, right? That's my health. That's my my life as I know it. My circumstances, my relationships, they're all they're all the Lord's. Hmm. So. Maybe instead of just listening to people's logic and conclusions and making decisions in life, maybe people need to be willing to show the Lord, Christians, be willing to show the Lord how much they're placing in his hands Mm. and they're willing to obey him. I've got a a question to pick your brain. So let's say what we're talking about, you want to, there's a guy listening right now, girl listening, who Mm. wants to just say, you know what, I want everything I do to just be God doing Mm. it how much of a balance is it in like knowing, okay, 
because then if you could take it to a point where you're like, Lord, I, I just want you only to tell me what to do. Do I have Cheerios this morning mm-hmm. or Captain Crunch? Yeah. You know, how do you d- just measure that that balance with knowing? And here's another topic too, kind of with that. Like we're not reading hymnals and in worship 24 mm-hmm. seven. We listen to secular music. Sure. We have secular moments. Yeah. How do you weigh that? You know? Yep. Okay. So, um, I by no means am, 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 like I love Demetrius's approach. You know, I, I'm by no means like the expert on. I'm learning mm. right myself. But one of some of the things that the Lord has really shown me is how much of you belongs to Him is mm. the better question versus you know, oh, like I bought this house because it was on a street called, you know, something that sounded biblical. St. John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, you know, or I, you know, when I got this car, you know, it, it, it it's like the the 35, Q35 or whatever was my verse, you know, 35 mm. or something, you know, things like that, right? And you realize that though that is little to do with how much of who you are belongs to him. Mm. So... I would encourage people to take their eyes off of all of the, you know, things that we're going to say goodbye to, right? Like what car you drive, like what house you live in, what style you are, like your favorite artist, like your style, you know, all those things. You don't take those things with you. Mm. So they aren't eternal things. Like I, I, I always struggle when Christians overemphasize things that are not uh, eternal, I remember being in children's ministry and a mom really wanting me to talk her son out of wearing a shirt with a skull on it. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, why? And she was like, well, that stuff's evil, you know? And, and I remember I, I was you young. had to hide the skull Bible in your no. <laughs> satchel. <laughs> I, I was young and my approach was not always as tactful as it is now, but I told her, mm. I'm like, Hey, who do you think designed the skeleton? Mm. You know, that's God's design. When was that hijacked? You know, like yeah. that's a brilliant design. I mean, you just look at it like as a design, mm. like the way it holds the structure together and the strength that it is like, that's a, that's amazing design. Now yeah. I'm not saying that you're turning the the skeleton into something like, wow. But all I'm saying is don't give Satan something that don't belong to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I don't, I don't feel that those things are eternally important. And mm. that's just me. I'm not saying for parents not to, be strict with the kids or whatever. But I think the question you're asking is better defined by how much of my will and desire belongs to the Lord. Hmm. Right. So, so idolatry in, in biblically is measured by importance. What is most important to you, right? Anything that's more important to you than the Lord is idolatry biblically defined. Mm-hmm. And so now you start to understand that godliness brings in, the idea of levels of importance, hmm. right? So when the Lord is the most important thing in your life, then everything just gets filtered through that. Hmm. It doesn't really matter like, you know, if you like wearing black all the time or whatever, but if that thing is affecting you in what is most important in your personal life, then you know it's on the chopping block. Right. Right. So I may choose never to eat Captain Crunch again because of what that's doing to my health and because it's something that I'm obsessed with and because it's something that's ruining my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even eat Captain Crunch, but I'm just saying like that I may turn that into a spiritual thing because of how it's affecting me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like whatever. I'm obsessed with 
you know, I, bad health, mm. anything, you know, like, I, or Demetrius is here, you know, when a person is not taking care of themselves physically, that could be something that they need to change. But then you have another person that's becoming obsessed with themselves physically. Right. And if, if the Lord has become the, the most important thing to them on a level of importance, then anything that is affecting that is willing to be placed on the chopping block. Hmm. So I think that dialing back on trying to just, you know, to just say that all these things are, you know, okay. And these things aren't okay. A Christian really needs to learn to take inventory and make sure that they put the Lord at the highest of importance and then just filter everything that affects them through that, right? If fellowship is important because it helps us towards the Lord, mm-hmm. teaching of the word is important because that brings us close to the Lord. And since he's the most important thing in our life, the teaching of the word is important. The reading of our Bible is important. Mm. These are things that he taught us will help us with our relationship with him because he's the most important thing to us. Mm. Right. So then another person watches a, uh, uh, an Avengers movie, right? And they're not affected. They're not affected mm-hmm. in um that doesn't affect them negatively in their in the person that's of most importance to them. Yeah, we watched one Age of Ultron last night. <laughs> yeah, great. I love I love I love the, those uh-huh. things, you know, but but then there's another person that will recognize, you know, their obsession with, you know, Marvel or whatever and mm-hmm. it's just so important to them and then you know what if it's idolatry in your life get rid of it yeah you know do you remember there was a a season a long time ago when i just started getting involved with high school ministry and i came up to you after maybe a a devotional and i i asked you i was like hey um i feel bad about my dead mouse t-shirt that i'm wearing here tonight Mm. (laughs) and i was like like what do you what do you think and you were like hey dude like you know what if that's your conviction, like you kind of told me like, it's fine. Like you're not, I don't think you're going to stumble anyone with that. You kind of gave me first a little bit of like grace of yeah. like, Hey, just so you know, like, like if I see a guy walk in with a dead mouse t-shirt, I'm not going to slam him for it. I see a guy with even, I think he even brought up like Bob Marley or something like yeah. some other, uh, yes, or Jimi I, remember, Hendrix. I remember Sammy wearing a Beatles shirt. I loved it. You yeah. Know? I was like, Oh, right. I know Sammy like Beatles. You know what I mean? And I remember feeling like, okay. And then for me in the moment though, I, I just felt like the Lord was kind of telling me, okay, get rid of some, some things. And then I went, I was listening to no secular music. I remember you gave all. me your. Yeah. Well, I gave you like a, a USB cause I was like, Hey bro, I got rid of all my music. And I got nothing to listen to right now. Yeah. So if you could like hook it up, like I, I'd be grateful for yeah. that. And I remember that season of just completely like no sure. secularism at all in yep. my life. And then I don't know if you remember, I kind of want to ask you, did I seem, because the way I, I kind of view myself now, that like everything was like the Shekinah glory of God that was leading me? Well, do you remember seeing that at all to me or just yeah. a little bit? Um. A lot of young people that get excited about Christ, you know, tend to spiritualize like extra biblical things, you Mm. know? Um, And I don't, I don't, I don't feel a need to correct that very strongly. I don't feel a need to like say like, Hey bro, you should, because you know, young people excited and like the Lord in their life. That's great, bro. Mm. That's great. You know? Um, But as they grow I believe it is important to to bring them to a place of of reality and what's important 
and this is where I find why I'm bringing that up. What I find oftentimes is um, a kid who convinces his friend to throw his Red Hot Chili Peppers album in the fire at a at a hey. retreat. <laughs> oh, hey, hear me out. Yeah, <laughs> I have Red Hot Chili Peppers in my car right now. Disclaimer: Just let you know if that, if that if that disqualifies me, forgive me. Um, so, but I'll, I'll watch I'll watch kids do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right? They're they're at a retreat and they're like you know they throw their dead mouse shirt in the fire mm-hmm. and and that same those same kids that like they're at they're oh, we're going to a concert hillsong concert this weekend you want to come I'm like oh i can't really make it or whatever and they go and and they're all like praying together i see them in the little huddle afterwards right and and so you see the 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 all of the things that they're they're telling other believers, yeah, you know, you got to get that stuff. But then in, in deep conversation with them, a one-on-one, where I begin to pour into them and 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 bring up where they're at with the Lord, then I start to find oftentimes confession, right, of things that are of bigger importance in their life than their dead mouse mm-hmm. t-shirt. You got a kid who's you know, 16 years old and he's watching pornography and yet he's gotten rid of all of his posters on the wall or whatever, you know, that are, that are like music and all that. And see what's happened is he's corrected the outward of a higher importance in his life than an actual bigger thing that's going on in his Mm -hmm. life. And what that's a result of is somewhere along the lines, when we were talking about earlier, the importance level of Christ in your life, right? When the Lord is the most important thing in your life and you're filtering everything towards that, your number one attacks are the things that are ruining that. Hmm. Your number one things that you're cutting off are the things that are messing with that. That's Hmm. your number one MO is to say, you know what, this thing is messing up the most important thing in my life and that's Christ. And I would say maybe it would have been better for that kid to keep his posters up and throw his computer out the window. Right. Right. Hmm. Or would have been better for like, so that's, that's my heart when it comes to youth. Like, and I see, you know, cause you, you'll get, it happens all the time. You get the most popular girl in, in the youth ministry and she starts dating the most popular guy in the youth ministry. And they're all, you know, we, we want to know if we could do a devotional together and stuff like that. <laughs> and before long, you're starting to sniff out sin in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. something you're like, hey, these kids are way too familiar with each other physically, you know? And a lot of times you could talk to Scott Salamat about that. That's a tell on. Mm-hmm. what they're doing on their own and stuff like that. And, and so their outward display is, uh, is out measuring their, their, uh, the reality of where they're at with the mm-hmm. Lord. Right. So that's, that was kind of a long explanation to a simple thing, no, which good. is, which yeah. is, which is to keep the seed planted in people's minds that their efforts for godliness is the, importance of christ in mm. in their hearts and in their lives dude i love that so love that. so that their desires to to cut things out or to move mm. things aside is because those things are affecting the the most important thing in their life mm. so when you see one kid who doesn't feel like he needs to throw away a shirt or whatever and you know that the lord's the most important thing in his life that's fruit to me mm. right that's that's something for me to celebrate in my heart and be like yes lord like i'll you know, last night I, I, me and Max talk about, you know, being in the word regularly and stuff like that and how that can be a difficult thing, you know? And so right. My wheels are always turning and it's like, you know, what's cool. Like I remember somebody handing me a devotional when I was younger and just, it was simple, 
right? Because I could open it up every day and there was a date that I could read that. And I remember reading that and thinking like, this is cool, you know? And so that's what I wanted to get him, mm-hmm. you know, last night. It's like, hey, dude, you know, check this thing out. It's, it's, it, it's simple and it helps, you know? Yeah. I told Max today, I was like, hey, man, now that you're going to church, bro, you're the new boy on campus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I told him, I was like, you better be careful, dude. You better be careful. But I told him I'm praying for him, man. He's going to do good. I have a short testimony about yeah. that, actually. Now we're talking about music and posters. Um, there was I went to Kingdom Life before, and which was down the street right here at mm-hmm. the little um, elementary school that we were meeting at. And I was big on music. I still am. Like, I'm a big music fan, especially like 80s, 90s music, big mm-hmm. on rock and everything. And at some point, I liked to be known as like that girl who like is all about Pink Floyd mm. and Red Hot Chili Peppers and this band and that band. Like I liked people knowing me for liking mm. that music. Right. It was big for me. And I used to now that I look back at it, I used to idolize music. Mm. And we were just talking about this the other day and I idolized music. And I was at church one day and this was shortly after, before I met Salvador, where I was. Um, the Lord was really convicting me in my walk mm. and I wasn't really pursuing the Lord like I wasn't committing to anything and I at slowly I started to let go of the things that were worldly so I I, I stopped hanging out with my friends I had no friends at one point mm. I stopped um doing a lot of stuff I stopped smoking stopped drinking like just little by little you know mm. and there was this one really big attachment that I had to music that mm. I myself never realized until I was at church and I'm very sensitive to conviction. So Mm. if I get convicted about something, I have to confront it. Mm. I have to. And this one though, it was like, I didn't feel anything about it. And I I thought to myself, like, there's no way God's telling me to put that away. Mm. So I had a lot of Pink Floyd posters up in my room and I had a lot of other bands, Jimi Hendrix, like Mm. you name it, The Doors, anything, anything music I had up in my room. But the number one was Pink Floyd. And I was at church one day and um, the pastor there was, his name was Leonard. And he said, I don't know who this is for, but he's like, if you have posters up in your room, you need to take them down. And I remember looking up at him and thinking like, that wasn't for me. That wasn't, you know, mm. he just, he just mm. said that because this mm. is for some, someone else. Like I would have gotten convicted. Sure. And I think it was later on that night or the next night where I was like in my room on my knees and I was just praying to the Lord and I was like reading my Bible also. And I just saw the posters and I, without even feeling it, I just took them down Mm. and I rolled them up and I put them away and I started praying to the Lord. And I was like, without even feeling it, okay, Mm. this is just a conscious thought. I was just like, God, I want to be all of you Mm. and I want to be known by you only, Mm. nothing else. And it was that day that like it, it was an outward expression and mm. it definitely had an interchange in me, even mm. though I didn't mm. feel it like I didn't feel that conviction. But I did feel like afterwards, I, I knew it was just the Lord speaking to me without mm. me having to feel anything, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So ever since that day, I never put anything up again. Huh. Um, I really still do love music, but yeah. I don't idolize it sure. as much as I did back then because the conviction that god brought in your life not necessarily because of what the guy said but because later you brought it before the lord and you're like you know what like this is convicting me you know Mm -hmm. conviction is super important um i i remember i was actually was listening to a bible study on the way to work a couple days ago um forgive me for not remembering what pastor was on they all get jumbled together in my mind sometimes when i'm on a long long drive but um he was talking about conviction being 
uh, gift, right? When conviction so oftentimes feels like a burn, like, mm. like, like, oh, I'm feeling guilt. Like you'll realize as you get older and when your time comes to stand before the Lord one day, you're going to realize that conviction was maybe one of the best gifts he ever gave you because it was the thing that made you realize like this is wrong and then allowed you to make adjustments that weren't just provable by other people. Right. Right. And so mm. why is that important? Right. Like we're, we're, what I was getting at earlier was that the source of your decisions need, needs to be the importance of Christ in your life. Hmm. Right. So, so here's why it gets interesting, right? If, if the source of your decisions and your conviction is based on the importance of Christ in your life, you could be justified for having a shirt with bands because it's not affecting your walk with the Lord. But what about the things that are not just acceptable as a Christian, but encouraged in Christianity? Encouraged so that you put them at the top of your list, right? Let me explain. I want to share with mm -hmm. you a quick yeah. story. When I was assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Hollywood, one of the verses that always was with me was um, where it talks about a good being a man of good reputation, a good report, right? And so what I kind of morphed that verse into in my heart was like being a person who is known for mm. like known for this or known for that. And the one thing I wanted to be known for was reliability and consistency. Mm. I wanted to be known for that, right? Like you will find me consistent and you will find me faithful. Right. So that's godly, right? That's, I mean, that doesn't sound bad it certainly isn't going to be attacked like a poster on a wall mm -hmm. by any christian right they're not going to be like hey you shouldn't want that like that's godliness mm -hmm. in my mind i feel a butt coming yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah because what started what the lord had to reveal to me which other christians couldn't see and weren't weren't bringing up to me was the reputation began to become something my fear of, of what people think mm. my fear of men Right. And now all of a sudden I began where I with a small conviction from the Lord started to realize, you know what? It's time for me to step away. Hmm. But because in my will, I had purpose in my heart, you will find me consistent. You will find me loyal. I was I was trying to ignore the Lord. Hmm. I was trying to like, I don't know. I said I was going to do this for you. Like right. I'm here. I'm doing the work of the ministry. But by ignoring the conviction that's from God, that's ignoring the importance of Christ in your life. Hmm. And now something that I could justify as a Christian was actually working against my relationship with Christ mm. because his conviction is showing me that it's time for me to go mm. because of my wife and because of my home. Right? So in that case, when I said earlier, Everything can be on the chopping block. Everything can be on the chopping block because it isn't just the things that the, you know, the youth ministry is trying to show you that you shouldn't have, you know, you shouldn't be all about whatever. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes it's even things that the church is encouraging you in. Man, you're so consistent, dude. Or do you are the most reliable person I know. And they're actually catapulting this thing that you have going yep. in you. But the Lord's over here saying, hey, Time, time to put it down. Mm. 
And it's like the fear of what people next to me are going to think, the fear of what people are going to, what's going to happen. One of the things the Lord had to really minister to me because my heart, being an assistant pastor, I love, I still to this day, I love all of those people that were there, members. But I had to realize that those people belong to the Lord. Right. Right. They belong mm -hmm. to him. And he's not going to, he, what servant, you ask yourself this question. What follower of Christ is Christ going to throw out for the, for the wolves? Hmm. None. None. Yeah. Not one. Mm -hmm. So the pastor needs to humble himself in thinking that he's the one, right? It's Christ that's truly their shepherd. Mm. And so uh, I had to face that, right? Like I had to put these people in the Lord's hands and I had to begin to obey the conviction that was coming from the Lord because of how it was affecting something that he had 100% trusted in my hands, my marriage, my home, my family, right? And it wasn't just, it was the Lord, dude. It was mm -hmm. the Lord and, and, and ignoring that conviction in the name of the Lord is not justifiable before God. Right. Mm. So. Dude, I, went, I had a similar, not as serious, but similar experience when I, I wanted to get a tattoo on my back. Mm. I already have one, but I was going to get it touched up and stuff added to it. Mm. And I wasn't saved very long, but I had told my mom, hey, I'm going to get some work done on my back. And she was like, she even gave me the space of like, okay, well, I don't think, I don't think you should. And I was like, well. You do that, mijo. You're going to hell. <laughs> um, she wasn't going to stop me, but she's like, I don't, basically saying like, well, mm. I don't approve. I just want you to know I don't approve. And for me, I, I remember telling her, well, this is my Christian liberty. This isn't sin. The Bible doesn't claim this to be sin now that we live in this new covenant, like kind of emboldening myself in it. And then as like the day came, I was just like, hey, you know what, Lord? If this is, isn't for me, just just stop me. I, 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 don't, I think this is for me, but if you could just kind of, you know, let me know. And I drove all the way to Redlands. I watched my friend get a tattoo. And then I was next on the chair. And right as I sat down on the chair, took off my shirt. He's like, bro, like, my machine's broken, dude. I can't give you this tattoo tonight. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's broken, dude. I'm sorry, man. Like, you come back. I, I got to order the parts. Like, come back, like, next week. I'll get you. Never like, all back. And I remember driving home just, like, in silence, like, Dang God. <laughs> <laughs> and I told, so this was Howard's buddy, my brother-in-law. Yeah. And I told Howard the story. I was like, dude, like this crazy thing happened. He told the tattoo artist and the tattoo artist goes, so your boy Sal asked God and God broke my tattoo machine. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Oh man. But that was just one mm -hmm. issue where I, I felt there was that day and i think previously like kind of that still small voice that mm -hmm. was telling me hey like you need to honor your parents yeah like, you might have that freedom but like you're you're breaking your mom's heart and i, I was I, I was trying to drive that i think voice that, away. I, I think that's to me like a, a bigger impactful thing like when i hear that story mm -hmm. it, you know being sensitive to you know paul said he wouldn't allow his liberties to affect other christians mm -hmm. right and you know, because I can recall these silly moments, though, in my life, too, where I was like, you know what, Lord, I want to get this vehicle. And you know why? Because 
you know, if, if it's of you, like, you know, just let the door right. open and then, and then the door did open and I got it. And then the thing ends up being a lemon mm-hmm. and I get, you know, and yeah. Right. Not so, to say <laughs> I, I don't make that a rule anymore yeah, either. Of right. Like, Lord, if, if you don't want me to do this, just sure. stop yeah, me. Cause yeah. sometimes the Lord's not going to stop yeah. you. Yeah. Or sometimes it's like, you realize these big old, these big old testimonies that are like, this is what the Lord did. And then, and then like years later, you're like, you realize like, man, that wouldn't have even mattered this way or that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but right. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that wasn't the Lord. And, and I think it's interesting, dude, because we, we do live by faith, dude. So I never want to steal those lessons that God is teaching youth mm. with moments. I never want to belittle that. Like right. I have a tendency, I got to watch myself, bro. I have a tendency to, by my nature, kind of belittle some of that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, me and Dave and Zunzi used to joke like, oh, Lord, if he's for me, then let him turn the corner right now, you know. But she waits around the, she waits around the corner where he always walks, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yep. You know, just the different yep. things that people do to themselves, yeah. you know. And, and uh, well, Dave and Zunzi, too, he also impressed that upon me of not just waiting for the Shekinah glory of God to fall down on a moment to know whether you're supposed to do something. And sure. th- that's something I believe that. Like you're saying, as a Christian, you mature, you learn from the word. I the think, word is truth, right. you know, and that's like you're going to be your, your your compass, the Lord, the Holy Spirit guiding you. But um, I do still also, I, I don't practice signs anymore. Like, oh, Lord, give me a sign. You know, I don't I don't make that a practice. Sure. I, in fact, I tell young believers, hey, don't don't, do don't look at signs, dude. Like, look at the word of God. What is the, yeah, the Lord and saying? And the Bible says a wicked you know? and adulterous generation seek out their signs and wonders. Mm. You know, which is biblical, right? So, um, but I think if we can plant the seeds in people's minds of of the importance of Christ in your life and recognizing what things are affecting that, hmm. then all of a sudden you would have had these kids that maybe they still would have been wearing the chili pepper shirt, but they would have cut pornography out of their life, mm-hmm. right? Like stuff like that, right? So they would have they would have told their girlfriend like, "Hey, I'm not doing this no more." Hmm. You know what I mean? Instead of like, you know what? I'm going to listen to only worship, you know, and yet they're still living in sin, which, which is actually affecting their walk with, right. with Jesus more. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's important. I believe in Christians to get that gauge. And this is all derived from a question you asked me earlier about, you know, making decisions and, and how much belongs to the Lord. One thing we, we derived that idea from was the idea of what can go on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for a Christian, um, I think that the, the magnitude of that idea that dude, everything can be on the chopping block it, it is, is big because there are things that the Lord may take that you could totally justify hmm. that you can com- not only justify, but you have a, a, a magnitude of a multitude of people telling you, yeah, that's awesome. You know? And you're like, dude, the Lord's telling me to do mm-hmm. this. Like how backwards does it sound when God told Abraham to put Isaac mm. to sacrifice him? I was just talking to Nick about this. Like, I think it's a mistake when we try to downplay how off that sounds when we're teaching that portion of scripture. Like when we're like, you know, like, but the Lord knew we always try, we always oh, try to go to soften like mm-hmm. that, that God's not asking you to kill your son, mm-hmm. you know, like we always try to soften that. I don't, I think that it was off sounding. Mm-hmm. I think that shouldn't be downplayed. Like Abraham re- knew no matter what. Yeah. That yeah. No, it's like, was he gonna didn't come know, back. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like, bro, like really? 
Mm. Because, and here's why I think that's important, because I believe that Christians, not always, but likely can find themselves in a place where they're looking at God and with all of their heart and understanding are saying, I don't understand. Mm. I don't understand this. Hey, I've been brought there. If it's happened to me and it's happened to people I talk with with long conversations at, you know, 1130 at night with people and they're and they're confessing and they're, they were with the Lord or they were teaching here, they were doing that. And all of a sudden they're in this place and they're saying to me, dude, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. Man, I've been there. Mm. So if I've been there and they've been there and certainly other Christians have been there, why am I trying to downplay the, the, the misunderstanding of what God is asking Abraham? Mm. That does not make sense. It does not seem like it's in the character of God. Here, bring your son up here to get crucified. You know, yeah. let me sacrifice, you know. And but Abraham, what what does it show? It shows that everything is in the hands of God. Hmm. Even when I don't understand. Hmm. Like you say it, Lord. You here's the one thing I always tell people when they're worried about their kids or whatever, and I'm telling them to put their kids in the hands, in the hands of the Lord, right? My son's on drugs or my kid's gay or whatever their things are, the things that Christians right. come with. Right. And it's like, do you know that the Lord loves your kid more than you're capable of loving him? Hmm. Cause he does. He loves people more than you're capable of loving them. And sometimes you got to put people in the Lord's hands. If you've ever had to say goodbye to somebody hmm. and that's in, with their sometimes in you know with them losing their life or sometimes it's just circumstance you say goodbye to people and if you've ever had to say goodbye to people you know you don't always understand or you could think of all the reasons why it shouldn't be this way or it didn't have to be this way but when you begin to develop a heart that you go before the lord and you say you know what lord everything can be put on the chopping block mm -hmm. You know, and then you get to you you get to a place where you acknowledge that to the Lord. You know, you really show the Lord something that He loves when a child of God is willing to put everything at Him and say, "You tell me, you direct me, not me telling you with what I want. You telling me with what belongs in my life." Hmm. And you will find that the Scripture that we learn later of the Lord in the New Testament and stuff that the Lord knows the desires of your heart, right? And that his thoughts towards you are good, not evil. And that he desires, he, 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 he does give to us the desires of our heart. But we got to first be willing to everything. Yeah. And then experience that the Lord actually, you know, personality types and all the different, you know, things that make us all different. There's certain things that make us happy and other people that they're, they're excited about opportunities to be in front of people. Other people are deathly afraid of it. But the Lord knitted you in your mother's womb and knows what you desire and knows actually sometimes we develop desires that were never even intended to be in our life. Hmm. You know, so he knows what he knitted in the womb. He knows what you're actually made of and he knows what things are actually going to be pleasing to you hmm. in marriage and in life and ministry. And, and, and so it's better to be handing over everything hmm. in his hands. So let's find out better way for me to say this. Let's find out the desires that were knitted in the womb, not the desires developed through a sinful life. Hmm. Hey, Lord, let's 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 um, explore what you created in the knitting of my mother's womb and the thirst that you put in me versus the ones I developed in sin. 
mm. and have been chasing things. And that's why everything should be put on the chopping block mm. so that we can go to God and say, you know what, let's erase back and find out what, what you would have made me had mm. sin not come in and made me get these, develop these thirsts that never should have wanted, you know, I never should have wanted these things. I always say that with, you know, when I'm talking, when it comes to the topic of homosexuality and all that, you know, everything sinful is a developed thirst. Mm. Everything sinful is a developed thirst. It's something that we, in our nature, our sinful nature, we start to feed something and we start to develop it. Right. And, and there's, there's, there's no limitation to the depravity of sin. Right. And so, you know, being that we live in a world that, that is being ran by, the one who wants to destroy us, the evolution of our thirst has grown. Mm. People have become really thirsty for strange things. Yeah. And so much so that it's become norm. And now all of a sudden you're, you're labeled as hating on people or whatever. When, when really all the Christian understands is that all of our thirsts in our flesh are kind of the same, mm. even though they're multiple different thirsts, there's something that was developed in sin. As you begin feeding something a little bit at a time and you're, you're hiding and you're feeding something and, and then it, it grows. Yeah. Right. So I think the idea of everything going on the chopping block is good for every person. When it comes to being in the presence of God, you tell the Lord everything and you give me back the mm. thirst that were intended. Right. And give me, Lord, give me a new heart, right? A new mm. thirst. I, I hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Bible says, right? But only God can make that happen. The crazy thing is sometimes people find that sin is their identity, whatever that sin might be. So they devote themselves and they they realize if I give up this sin, I'm giving up who I, what, am. Who I am, who I think I am. Yeah. And that's that's the idolatry that sometimes people don't sure. want to give up. Yeah, my, my own life is that I idolized a, a Vietnam veteran Marine who was a tough guy by mm. by uh, reputation, right? So everybody told, I heard my whole life stories of, dude, your dad, let me tell you a crazy story about your dad, you know, like, mm. and it was all the things that made people look at him and be like, he's the man. Mm. And um, a lot of people, not just like one or two, not just like, not just his family or his friends, I'm talking about people, in-laws, people that knew him and i meet them in strange places other places and oh you're you're george sanchez's son like oh man like hmm. let me tell you a crazy story about your dad one time your dad and it was always bro right so i grew up idolizing this and and then i grew up in the in the late 80s and early 90s where the action heroes all of them were like tough guys right every single action mm. hero is like punching someone in the face or yeah. like i'm not chuck afraid norris. of nobody yeah, yeah. every <laughs> chuck norris van damme arnold schwarzenegger mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like that's so you couple all that stuff together. We're watching Saturday morning cartoons, and what is it? It's the X Men, and they're like fighting. And this, my dad is this tough guy, you know. And my grandfather was a professional boxer, and we I'm grow up watching boxing and and learn, you know, hitting a punching bag as a kid, and begin to develop this desire to be a tough guy. Mm. You know, like in everything I'm trying to do, I'm like, can't wait till I could grow a beard out, Dad. You know, I can't wait till I could, you know, all that stuff. Only to find out as a Christian that I'm kind of I'm kind of a sensitive person. Hmm. I'm like I'm kind of an artist more. I'm not. 
I, I developed these thirsts for something that I wasn't even necessarily created that way. Mm. But I just looked up to it so long. I just, it, it was like the only, I, the only definition of what it means to be a man, you know? Mm. How many times are people growing into something that they're never intended to be because of what they're idolizing? Then you have kids that they don't have a dad at home, right? So they never get developed those things. They start idolizing other things sometimes. Mm. Or maybe a, a marriage where the mom and the family collectively hate the dad. And so the young man doesn't grow up idolizing his father. He wants to be the opposite of his father. So now all of a sudden, anything that seems masculine or seems anything like that, he just despises it. Now he starts going for what. So you start understanding that we, the Lord gives us a new the Bible says all things pass away and all things are made new. Yeah. What does that do? What's going on? <laughs> I'm insulted. Mom. Mom. Do you, oh, aren't you on call? Yeah, yeah, but that's not work. We're good. We're good. Whose phone was that that just beat? <laughs> Who, was that you, Max? Was that your phone? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I digress, dude. I don't know. That, that's, Idolatry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so you see, you see, you see that, right? Um, and that's just my observation. I'm not saying I'm a psychologist by any means, but you know, these are things that the Lord reveals to me through scripture. And you realize that, that the Lord, when all things pass away and all things are made new and he gives you a new heart hmm. and, and a new thirst for righteousness, right? Like it's about the relationship with the Lord developing the new man. Mm. and 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 we need to surrender the old man dude like mm. and the, as christians even if you've been a christian a long time you know sometimes you need to recognize that hey you know what 90 percent of this foundation was built in the lord but when i was young and building a foundation with him i was keeping this 10 percent over here for myself and i ended up building this whole house with a little portion of it that's built on something else. And sometimes you got to knock stuff down, dude. Yeah. Sometimes you got to let stuff go or redefine. I'm telling everybody for years that I was a senior pastor. I'm a senior. I know I'm a senior pastor. I know. I just know it, you know. But, you know, in redefining, I just recognize my gift, which I assume means that I'm a senior pastor. Right. But but what I redefine and recognize is the anointing. And, and the obedience has become the goal. Right. So recognizing the anointing, developing it in a relationship with Christ, always maintaining that I'm a learner, a student, and then allowing my actions to be driven in, in obedience, hmm. you know, and, and just let, dude, let whatever God wants to do with your life happen and be, uh, be an upright man that's allowing what God is doing in your life personally to be at the forefront, not in a selfish way where I'm just focused on what God's doing to me, but in a way where what pours out, you know, the Bible talks about vessels overflowing, right? So what pours out is a reality of what's happening inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Not us building a successful thing that we're doing for others. Hmm. And then people aren't even aware that we've run dry in case Robbie Zacharias. Mm. Here. You know what this reminds me of is um, God's sovereignty. So in my life, I know that I've made mistakes. I know I've there's been times when I failed the Lord. 
And sometimes I will try to justify my failures when God makes them work out for my good mm. and say, oh, well, maybe that was the Lord's will. Mm. But that's, and I, I can't define it correctly because it's God's, maybe you can better than I can, but God's sovereignty sometimes, yes, he does allow good things to come from mistakes. You have a child out of wedlock. Mm. There's a blessing that is the, the life, but the sin is still sin. And I, I think that sometimes I myself have struggled with figuring out whether, oh, well, that was God, that wasn't God, that was me, and things like that. And then I get things mixed up, and but sometimes <laughs> I see like, okay, well, God is blessing. Mm. And I, I find myself now of realizing, you know what? I need to be constantly living in that state of repentance, yeah. staying away from the sin. Sure. And if God does grace and mercy in my life, praise him. You, know? yep. you brought up a perfect example, bro. You brought up a child being born out of wedlock like a 15 year old girl comes into a church with her mom she's crying her mom's crying and you sit down with them to counsel with them and you find out she's pregnant right mm -hmm. one of the tragic things that moms people do is to try to now beat this kid with what they've done mm. When what you need to do is bring a person who up to this point hasn't been fully surrendered to bring them to a place of full surrender to the Lord. Mm. That's the goal. If that girl fully surrenders to the Lord when prior she wasn't fully surrendered, she will see the hand of God. Mm. And you can celebrate. I always tell them, I've talked to Dave about this. Like, what do you, what do you say to a parent? Like, oh my... You tell them, now this child, you're praying for this child. And you know what? You're celebrating. You're, you're, you're encouraging. You know, parents, they, get, they want to become angry and bitter. And they, yeah. want, they want this child, this, their kid who made the terrible mistake to suffer for what they've done wrong. Yeah. But what you really want is you want a person who you realize now, because of what they've done, wasn't fully surrendered mm. leading up to this. Mm. You want to bring them to a place of full surrender. And then you want for the, those that have the heart of a Pharisee to be rebuked as God blesses a person's life who is fully surrendered. What was, the, what was the problem that the Pharisees had with some of the things that Jesus was doing? Oh, don't you know what that woman did? Hmm. They weren't celebrating the change that God was putting in a person's life. They wanted to carry over, oh, Look, pointing out what this person has done wrong up to this point and remove the full surrender of God right. mm. and keep them in a position of, of bad. And, and the Lord will raise that person up even above people who are self-righteous with hidden sin. Get it. It's Nick. Answer it. What is that, my dude? What's up, bro? Am I interrupting you? You are on the recording of a podcast, which later on you'll be able to to watch back and hear your voice on a phone call. Yo, what it is. <laughs> hey, I love how he just fully grasps it instead of being like, oh my bad. He's like, yes, I'm on. How are you, dude? 
I'm doing so good. It's not funny right now, man. What's right on? Praise the Lord. What's what's so good? Dude, it's so good right now that things, dude, are starting to look differently, dude. Wow. You know what I'm talking about? Tell me what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about when you start to open your eyes and you start to see colors, dude. Wow. <laughs> Celeste in the background. Ah, I like the laugh in the background, dude. You're hilarious, dude. Answer, ask, can you hear me, Nick? I can hear you, dude. Can, uh, are you on your way to get something to eat right now, dude? No, you know what, dude? Even better, dude. I, I just had something to eat. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're blessed, bro. That's right, dude. It's the little things, dude. Hmm. It's the little things, dude. Just to let you guys know on this podcast, that's Nicholas Hernandez. He's the director of worship at Calvary Chapel Hollywood now. <laughs> former former manager at uh, In and Out. Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, but yeah. What did I say? <laughs> Hollywood. Oh my bad, dude. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Golden Springs. Dang, oh, man. Am I really on the podcast? You right really now? you really are, bro. So we gotta get you actually down here in person soon. Soon, dude. I think we'll I think we'll leave it at that, dude. All right, <laughs> for sure, man. Well, I'm gonna catch up with you later, brother. Okay. Yes. Yes, please. All right. I love, love you, man. Guys. God Have bless. A day. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Nick, uh, worship leader of Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. Yeah, man. Um, he he's a brother for sure. That still for the last nine years has always been loyal dude yeah it's interesting like when you go through chapters of your life and there's people that god has put in your life it's interesting how like as the lord's molding us you see that people will be closer or further but when when you're where you should be and when you're with other brothers who are surrendered to the lord you find that there is fellowship mm. on the thing that we have in common, and that's Christ. Mm. You know, and if you could remember that whenever people, because the Bible calls Satan the the accuser of the brethren. One of the things he loves to do is paint us in pictures that are not reality mm. to make out make me out to seem like my intentions are something that they weren't. Make you out to seem like your intentions are something that they weren't. Mm. You know, and and. <laughs> what are you What's laughing over there? Tell me, They're bro. fighting some sort of <laughs> fly over <laughs> yeah, there. He's like, <laughs> did, you, did you just get attacked by a fly right now? Yeah, I did, yeah. He's just... <laughs> trying to like fly into my ear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think I got it. All right. <laughs> Dude, me and Nick, that on the same line of subject, mm-hmm. um, do me and that guy have been in some of the craziest arguments before as like brothers in the Lord. Like the what's the, the Bible say that? Uh, there's a brother, there's a friend who's closer than a brother or a brother is like born for contention and there's a friend who's closer than a brother. Mm. Me and Nick have like lived through that. Like there's been times, bro. And I, I I don't think it's going to mind me putting us, putting both of us on blast. 
Well, we were in Israel yelling at each other like, but the Lord is this in my life, dude. And I'm like, no, but I see the Lord doing this, bro. Like, it's just like, I love where he starts to get emotional and I'm getting emotional because he's getting emotional. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. And he's like, I'm sorry too, bro. <laughs> We've had some crazy moments, dude. I've had moments where I'm looking at Nick, dude, and I'm just shaking my head. I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about right now, dude. But, you know. God's used him in my mm-hmm. life, dude, and, and given me opportunity to like be used by God in, in his life. And and there's something special that he has, dude, that that I don't too. And I and I I enjoy I enjoy witnessing what God is doing through him and in him. And mm. and I often remember too, like what I was saying earlier is that, you know, when we're selfish, like when we're in a state of selfishness we're only aware of how people are affecting our little world. Mm. But when we're in a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness, which the Bible commands us to be thankful in all things, not just encourages us to, but commands us to. Um, When we're in a heart of thankfulness, we aren't so aware of how people are a wrench in what we want in our life. And we become more aware of what God is doing in people's lives, Mm. you know, and just really really um appreciating the hand of god in people's lives Mm. and just being like that's really cool what god's doing you know i think god's really been showing me that a lot with peers people that were next to me or even some that i poured into and i'm watching them rise dude i'm watching god do new works in them and the works that god's doing them are successful and growing and and I want, and I, with a heart of gratitude, I want to, I want to celebrate those things. You know, I want to, mm. I want to see that and be like, man, that's awesome what God's doing. But when you have a heart of selfishness, then you just begin to wonder why. Hey, you know, how come, how come I don't? And that's right mm. away you could see your eyes are on how something should be affecting your world or isn't affecting your world or is negatively affecting your world versus having a heart of gratitude and. And knowing that the Lord has your back, dude, mm. you know, and you're the Lord's man and, and you don't want anything other than what he's going to do in your life. Right. Mm. Everything goes on the chopping block. You let him author what he gives back to you, mm. you know, and that, I think it's a beautiful life. I think it, I think it helps us to love our wives better, our family to really allow God to shine when he's doing something amazing in someone's life that other people who are in their own right or are effective or something, they're just shelving that for that moment and just really looking at what God's doing and just celebrating what God's doing in someone's life, you know? Mm. And yeah. I think that's healthy for the body of believers. That, that's something that I find myself doing a lot with, with Nick, just to see Nick doing worship right now mm-hmm. at Golden Springs. And something that I recognize, and I, I don't know how the Lord got into where he's at. I know the Lord did it. Um, but I recognize that in Nick's heart and something that he's a man of strong conviction and something that he's impressed on my life throughout the last nine, 10 years was holiness Hmm. was Nick was that type of guy who out of love would strongly exhort me sometimes where I would hate it. I'd be like, bro, like this is not like you're like, you're not doing this right, bro. The way you're coming at me. But the Lord would would use it in my life still. He yeah, he hit me the other day life. with a messy car, huh? He got in my car, dude. He was like, <laughs> he's like, yo, man. 
He's like, I remember when you had a duster for this thing in here. And in my mind, I was going to defend myself and be like, yeah, that's when I was auto. That was when I was in sin, bro. <laughs> dusting my little idol, you know, but I was listening to what he was saying. And he was just like, he was just like, I think it's time, dude. Because my, my, my car was trash, dude. The babe, it's crazy when you're a dad mm-hmm. and. You know, there's Cheetos and crevices yeah. everywhere. We'll check on him in five months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get in his car and I'm going to go like this. You know what, dude? It's time, bro. <laughs> I remember when this thing, no. No, but but what I what did I do, dude? I looked at mm-hmm. it and I was like, this is no way for a servant of the Lord to have take care of his stuff, you know? So yeah. I, I went and I cleaned it out, dude. Mm. You know? So that's just funny, you know? That's cool. Yeah. So I, I dig exhortation that's cool but you were saying holiness though yeah he like i said he was a man of uh, of strong conviction throughout serving alongside him being in ministry together and it's crazy just i i don't think i've ever met someone who has stayed so consistent with their convictions that they they haven't really like warped like too much Mm -hmm. throughout his life yeah and that's something that he brings to the to the table when it comes to to worship. Yeah, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but one of the big things when I was doing worship with him was he would get really bummed out as a worship. Le- he was the worship leader when the band would kind of fail at their skill of doing a worship song, and sometimes he would respond a little bit emotionally at the end of the set. Like he would just kind of walk off stage, like nothing, no re- interaction with us. And then we'd feel like, man, like, I guess we messed up. I guess, guess we, he, we didn't do good. Hmm. And I would look at just Nick's reaction as, well, he's reacting wrong. Hmm. But I never then took the next step of asking, well, why is he reacting like that? And like, what is it about Nick that makes him feel that way? Mm. And I started as, as he matured and even started to handle worship differently. Mm. Like maybe he wouldn't respond that way. Mm. But one thing I recognize that's still there is his conviction to not allow anything to steal the focus of the Lord. Mm. And I remember that impressed upon me later on too. Then when I got to do worship with the youth worship is I wanted them to realize, look, yeah, we're going to make mistakes but we want to keep the Lord the focus. I would go in front of them every Sunday or every Wednesday night, right before we'd go downstairs to the main sanctuary, because that's kind of daunting when it's like the lights are on. You're I like, bet. oh, geez. Mm-hmm. And I remember I used to tell them, hey, you're going to mess up today. You're going to go out there, and we're going to make mistakes. But you know what? When it happens, just keep going. Keep your focus on the Lord. Mm. And then that whole idea has even been implemented in my walk of, you know what? Yeah, we're going to make mistakes, but you keep going, you keep fighting. Mm. So Nick's been a brother for me, for sure, that I pray other, other guys like Max, you know, you guys have people in your life who can correct you, brother, you know? tell you what's up and it's sometimes it's gonna be hard dude (laughs) it's gonna be hard sometimes bro and then sometimes the people are gonna be wrong so you just have to have grace yeah there's also the change you know there's also just to be said and he'd be the first one to admit it because the conversations we have is the change that god did in him too though like he got his butt whipped out there in and out 
you know, yeah. becoming the manager and you think you're all oh, working for a Christian company and just, you know, nothing, dude, that's a Christian company. I'm not saying anything negative about in and out, but dude, that managers that are there to make the machine work yep. and they're like, they're spanking him, dude. Mm -hmm. And Nick was a free spirited kid that didn't want to get in line, you know, mm -hmm. for a long time. And he got out there and got whooped, bro. Like hard. And he would call me, he was on the verge of tears, dude, just hating just hating it, and, but yet getting up and going again and again. Mm -hmm. And the things that God's changed in him over that time. And dude, he's he's in and out. So you too, you hear how people talk about, oh, you're getting married, you're going to see, you know, and you're mm -hmm. always like, you know, I pray that you're more blessed than not, dude. I, I pray that you're just like, you know what? They kind of made it sound worse than it was, you know? <laughs> it's less than two months away. <laughs> it's less than two months away. There's certain things like that. My wife, you know, when 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 she was pregnant, her pregnancy was chill like so cool bro like we were just laughing she got she was emotional like she cried easy but she wasn't like getting crazy on me like mm -hmm. we were laughing a lot together and she would like make fun of herself like hmm. she wasn't she didn't have that like oh look at me like she was like happy dude and i remember on the day that the baby was supposed to be delivered because the baby wouldn't come out like so they had to induce labor and so on the day we were scheduled she we walked into the hospital she had her backpack on and we were holding hands and we were just joking and laughing and mm -hmm. walked in there together and the whole pregnancy was like funny she would be laughing at her absent-mindedness they say when you know when a woman's pregnant you know a lot of the nutrients that normally feed the mind activity are being stolen so she would they they have what's called baby mind or baby mm -hmm. brain or pregnancy mind or mm -hmm. she would joke about that like oh i forgot this ah, laughing about it it was super cool yeah and then, and then there was the tragedy that was bestowed upon us when the baby was being delivered. It was so difficult and hard. And then we almost lost the baby. And, and, and I didn't know that. Yeah, dude, she flatlined the heart what? rate, the heart rate, the heart rate dropped, dropped, dropped. It was supposed to only go so low. And then it went almost all the way down. And, and all of a sudden they had to call in like the backup crew. And, and, you know, I, the thing that scared me is when, um, I always read people like, right. So if I'm in a plane and I'm feeling turbulence, I just turn and look at whoever works yeah. regularly. If they're mm -hmm. chill, it's fine. I don't care how many people are screaming, mm -hmm. but I start seeing like a stewardess, like scrambling mm -hmm. that, that freaks me yeah. out. You know what I mean? So I started to see doc when the doctor's extra hands, when the heart rate, some, there's a certain line that you can't get past this. And it went way past that. And the doctor looked at the nurse and was like, make the call. And she went and she got on some line and then a crew came in right now. This, they come in, they come running in mm -hmm. and they're opening. I, I, this is what scared me is when, when, uh, what seemed to be an experienced doctor was trying to open this, this thing to pull out like a tool that oh, she was going to have to use like a plastic bag. Yeah. And she just, struggling she rips it open the girl's like open it and she like rips it open and throws the wrapper on the floor now i'm like that's not reaction yeah. for all as well dude mm -hmm. like and it wasn't well dude and and the weird thing that came over me dude um afterwards the main doctor was like are you okay and i was like i was like yeah i'm i'm, I'm all right she's like are you in the military have you experienced PTSD? And I thought that was an odd question for mm -hmm. a person to ask me. And I was like, no. And she, and I was like, why? And she's like, your, your reaction doesn't seem like the normal reaction for a circumstance like what you guys just went through. 
And I remember, I, I didn't, I, I didn't really pinpoint what she was talking about, but I remember when I was in that scenario, it was a familiar taste dude, to when my mom was dying. Like, like the reality of the tragedy of the scenario I'm in and, and the, 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 the only thing that I feel like I can do is just take it like, like to accept it. Hmm. And it just creates like the shutdown feeling for me, like blank, just like, like wave coming and just like close my eyes and just, just yeah. like let it crash right. me, you know, like that's what it felt like. And I thought we the, the, because here's the saddest part too, is that we're sharing a wall with another couple who lost their baby that night. Oh, same exact way right before us that their baby died on the delivery. So just heard that happen. Didn't want to tell my wife that that just happened. And then it starts happening. And I was just like, I was just like taking oh it, bro. It's just, I was just like, I remember the stupid song popped in my head, bro. The hello darkness, my oh, old friend. Man. Like that yeah. literally popped in my head, dude. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. And I remember thinking, is that Satan? Dude? <laughs> what is probably just my mind bringing it up for the lyrical content, you know, man. but it was a really, it was a really scary time, dude. And then, when the baby finally breathed and they pulled her out and there was like a, I didn't really feel just like, Oh, happiness. I just was like, dang that, like that almost went the other way. And the funny thing is the day before, dude, I lied to my wife's face, bro. About she, what? She, we were driving in the car and we're driving dude. And we, we had the best, it was a day before delivery. We had the best experience like honestly from the baby kicking to like everything was great dude like the most tragic moment in in the pregnancy was we wanted a boy and when we found out it was a girl she was actually more bummed than i was mm-hmm. and uh but other than that it was so wonderful dude and it was so we didn't have fear we weren't nothing dude we were just it was great all the way through and the day before we're driving and all of a sudden dude i'm just I'm driving like fear like and what i thought is like something's gonna go wrong and as that pops in my head i'm not saying nothing dude she reaches over and she grabs me by the hand and she's like holding my hand she's like squeezing my hand and i'm like not saying anything just driving and she's like i feel like something's gonna go wrong and i'm like and she's like you think something's gonna happen and i turned and i looked at her and i'm like not at all i think it's gonna go absolutely great it's straight lie to her face mm. like because I just, it was a decision that I made that whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. And I just want to, I just have to lead with trusting, even though in my heart, I'm, I was probably more scared than her, hmm. but I, it was like a decision I made. And I, I, you know, I said it like, it's a bad thing. Like I lied, she lied to her face, but I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that I, that I shouldn't have done that because, hmm. because she didn't need fear stacked on top. She needs help. She, yeah. And I just was like, ah, the Lord's good, you know, it's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I was like, and then when that started happening, I was just like, oh my gosh, dude, here it is, Lord. And this is what, this is what always gets me, Sal, just to be honest with mm-hmm. you. When stuff's tragedy starts coming upon me, I'm like, 
I'm probably going to be more effective for you now, huh? Hmm. And I hate that truth. Like sometimes I'm just like, like, this is a reality, dude. If I was in some crazy accident and my face got all burned, I'd probably even be like harder for the Lord. Hmm. And I'm always like, Lord, let, let's try to make that not true. Like, let's try to make that where I'm all the way for you now. Right. You know, mm. because tragedy always brought fruit in my life, dude. Like, and there's been, there's been some moments, bro. There's been some dark moments, dude. Like from, from sitting with my dad for 24 hours after my mom died, I'll never forget. Like, you know, I, I was going to ask, actually, uh, maybe you could tell yeah. that one too. I was trying to tell Lisette, your, and you could share what you feel willing to, um, your experience of bearing your mom. Oh, my dad? Yeah. Yeah, wild. You're talking about the actual burial yeah. of my mom? Yeah. So we had a sort of mock funeral for my mom. We we cremated my mom. It was it was we we didn't want to take anything from the whole family. And there, my mom was loved by a lot of people. But me and my brothers felt that my dad deserved this small, intimate moment, right? So we went up to the we went up to the uh, the military. Um, uh, what do you call it, dude? There you go. Yeah, but it's for okay. military. You like when, when you yeah when you when you join the military, you you're everything's taken care right. of, and who, you and your spouse will have a place that's given mm. to you that you'll both be able to plot to be buried mm. at. And my mom, we, all of my family, we want to be cremated because one of the things that I've always struggled with and we all agree is the idea of picturing somebody like just their body and like them, them rotting or them, mm. you know, I just don't want that. And so the, as a Christian, I know that when you're gone from here, you're with the Lord. And so I rather everything that's on this side to just be done. Yeah. Like there's nothing to like gone, bro. Mm -hmm. Dust, you know? So my mom wanted that and we cremated her and, but we separated her into two different containers. And one of them was at her funeral, but the other one went to the burial ground. And when we got there, it was the wildest thing. We rode, we rode um, our motorcycles. We went out there and my dad, we, we were told exactly, my dad knew where his plot was and, we went there and they were supposed to be ready at a certain time and they weren't ready for some odd reason. And the, uh, but there was a marker there from where they're supposed to dig the, the mm -hmm. whatever it's like, it's not as deep. It's not six feet deep. It's like way shallower because it's only ashes. It's not, it's not a full right. casket. So we're, it's just me and my brothers and my dad. Um, and we get to the spot my dad's holding the ashes and it's not dug up and there's nobody there and and lo and behold off in a short distance leaning against a tree is a shovel where they were doing construction they were they were digging up another location and they had like cones off like cones and tape and there was a shovel sitting there and in the very i'll say maybe proper way for my dad what maybe he needed i don't know 
it's just us and my dad and he's holding the ashes and he goes over to that shovel dude and he gets that shovel and he kind of storms back to to the gravesite and with the shovel he starts digging at the location by hand right my dad was was a construction worker before he was a truck driver and so he was always been kind of an impressive digger with a shovel i've watched him since i was young and he was just filled with adrenaline dude and i just and he was older at this time, way older, dude. He must have been, I think my dad was 70, maybe 69, 70 mm. years old when this happened. Mm. And he begins just attacking the ground. And I, I remember there was an intention to like pull the shovel out of his hand and like help him. Like, dude, my dad is, is you know, 70 years old. Yeah. And my brother Duke just like stops me, dude. He just, he just grabs me like, like, no, don't. Mm-hmm. And my dad digs my mom's grave, dude. Like right in front of us. And uh and and he he digs it all the way down, dude, and he puts my mom's ashes there so gently into the ground. And he's there on his knees, you know, and it was it was uh it felt like a time warp, bro. I could not believe like that that was happening in today's society. Like mm-hmm. just I couldn't believe it, you know. And me and my brother just stood there and all of us, dude, just with no, no, no outward crying, but just tears, you know. And my dad just, you know, gently puts my, my mom's ashes down in the hole that he just dug and he, he buried her himself. And we, and then my brother Duke's like, my dad takes a step back, dude, he's like heavy breathing and, and my brother Duke's like, well, pray, you know, it's like, you're yeah. of us four. You're the you're the minister guy. So pray. You know he kind of pushes me forward, and I I remember praying, and that was difficult for me. But it was but it was like, dude, pull it together. This is your role. You know, what I mean, do your mm-hmm. thing. And and I remember mostly a heart of thankfulness. And um, but that was most of the family never even knew that took place because they saw the other ashes that were there at the chapel service mm. where everybody was there with the pictures and the very more traditional setting. But for us, that that's what that, ha- that's what happened. Mm. I don't know if that's exactly the story you're referring to. No, that was exactly it. <coughs> Cause I just remember that. That was a crazy traumatic experience. I'm like, geez, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what's carried with me about that. I think there was more Yeah. in the way that it hit me then. But being what I've carried with me, like as I remember back and as I as I grow and I'm thankful and stuff, I think that was a blessing, dude. Like I I think the the romance and the beauty of my mom and dad's love and marriage and the tragedy of the ending, I think I think it's the rightful end of the story, mm. kind of, that my dad would dig with a shovel, like it just kind of fits. Yeah. in a weird way if you know my dad for those who know my dad they, they they would understand that but yeah yeah that was a crazy time and i remember right after we did that um me and my dad we sat in the living room no i'm sorry not right after that right before that one right after the day after my mom died me and my dad i'll never forget this day dude we sat in the living room and it was dark when we got up we got up super early the next morning i got up and I walked up the hallway and he was already sitting in the living room. It was dark lights off. Sun hadn't come up yet. And I sat next to him and I, I assumed that I would just share that moment with him. Like, 
thought maybe he'd small talk with me or, or vice versa. And I just sat there and the sun came up and we just sat there and we got up only to use the restroom and we sat there and the sun went down. We didn't eat anything. We didn't say anything. We didn't watch TV. We just sat there for an entire day. And I remember just thinking like, this that doesn't feel like a normal thing, you yeah. know, that people do. But there's just been moments, dude, that that night I remember, I, I remember, I'm going to share this. I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody, but that night when my dad went to bed, I, I went into the room where him and my mom, you know, he was there by himself. And I remember sitting on the floor by his bed. And I remember him just putting his hand on top of my head and just telling me, do you guys got a plan? Hmm. You have to remember that, like, there's nothing that comes upon you that isn't part of the story. And sometimes you got to see beauty in the tragedy. Yeah. You know, and just know that you'll see when, when your time's up that it was all part of his plan. And I, I carry that with me. You know, that's what, that's what those thoughts are mm-hmm. when I think my daughter or something's going to happen to her or when I feel like things are falling apart or could it, Lord, could I lose this? Could this happen to me? Could the, all of that stuff to just take it, put it at the feet of the Lord and just say, you're writing the story, Lord. All I, all I desire is obedience. All I want is to make sure that my brother Johnny said something to me years ago and I always uh, want it to be true, bro, about me. He's like, bro, when I go through pain, the worst part is when I could look in the mirror and say, you did this. Mm. He's like, but when I go through pain, as long as it wasn't my doing, I could just like, well, the Lord brought this in my life. Yeah. Just take it, you know, but it's those moments that that's why, that's why repentance is so important, bro. Yeah. That's why it's so important for Christians to walk with the Lord, dude, because you don't want, you don't want whatever, because life's going to, you're going to cry. <laughs> Every person hearing this is going to shed tears in their life. And you don't want one of those tears to fall being apart from the Lord. Yeah. I remember seeing that that was impacting your life when you lost your mom there. And it might've even been after you had lost your mom, but I remember seeing it, the effect it had on your life. And I remember one time we were up in Mammoth for a retreat and it would happen to be Mother's Day mm. when we were on our coming mm. on our way back. And I said something like, oh, I forgot. I got to get my mom a gift. I was like, oh, man. And I remember seeing your face. You just went, hmm. And I, it, I didn't even click in the moment, like, for me. Hmm. It was maybe even, like, the next day or something. Somehow that came back in my, in my mind. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, here I was kind of like it was an afterthought and feeling like, Oh man, I got to do something. And Mike was like, man, my mom. And it made me just realize I got to be, you know, praying for Mike. I got to be loving, discerning on, um, when people are going through hard times and something I saw in in, in my life too, was that the Lord did use pain to make me and shape me and mold me. Mm -hmm. Um, he's used a lot of things to help get my focus back on him. Um, and thank God, you know, yeah. I, I know that I would not be 
the young man who I am today, if it wasn't for those things taking place in my life and for disappointments and failures. And I, I also in the same way feel that every time I've had a major disappointment in my life, it drove me so close to the Lord Mm -hmm. where I was like, dude, this is where I was like, this is where the what contentment is at. Mm -hmm. This is where the power is at is when I'm just broken before the Lord and to where he's going to lead me with that, where he's going to lead us with it. It's like, okay, God, well, you're in control now, putting everything on the, on the plate, you know? Yeah. One of the things I always want to encourage people on is to not run from what God could do through pain. Mm. Don't run from it. You know, like there, it was, it was tragic for me for years, bro. After my mom died, like mother's day, people you know every time a birthday would come around um and that's basic stuff but i remember one of the things because i tried to make a deal with god i think i've shared this before i tried to make a deal with god like that my mom would live because she had cancer right she had got cancer when i was seven years old four stage cancer in remission then it comes back when i was 13 it went into remission then it came back when i was 18 and then she died from it right so but I try to make this deal where I was like, just let her live till I get married, you know, like, and the, one of the most uncomfortable, like hard things was to be at weddings, like mother, son dances were just like, they were like painful. And I've never wanted to be like drama. Like I never, mm-hmm. I, that's like, even those, even that moment, it's not like, I never feel like how insensitive could a person be? Like I never, I never want that, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't believe in like putting, like robbing people's lives of beauty and awesomeness because of tragedy. I feel like that's almost an insult to my mom's life. Like to make her life be like a, a robbery of somebody enjoying something beautiful, right? Their mother's day, a call from their mom, the the mother son dance like i'm about it like mm-hmm. do it enjoy it don't second guess it if i happen to be there but but it that doesn't remove like what it felt like mm-hmm. and and there were times in the beginning when i would run from it i just i would like go use the restroom or just new year's another thing too just to make the whole scenario you know this my mom died on new year's she was pronounced mm-hmm. dead um like her heart finally stopped I think it was five minutes after the countdown, but she stopped breathing at the countdown, literally breathed her last breath on at the countdown of new year's. So that was like an anxiety attack. The countdown for years that followed, like I'd hear it five, four. And it was just like, it was like crazy. Like the amount of adrenaline that would rush to my head and sort of dizzy feeling as I would hear that countdown and, and in celebration, that's the thing that made it so hard is because everybody's so happy like counting it and it just it was just like a nightmare dude but um in the beginning i would run from those things and then one one at one point in my life walking with the lord as he was maturing me i remember him putting on my heart like don't don't run like look turn instead turn and look at it Hmm. and not not so that it would so i would see that it isn't that bad but that I would just let the reality of my life that the Lord author of my life wrote Hmm. to like, just to like know that he's, I've surrendered my life to him to the degree that 
everything that comes upon me, that's, that's his plan. Hmm. As long as it's not me bringing it on myself as I'm walking away from him in rebellion, if I'm walking with the Lord, nothing comes upon me that isn't hmm. his plan. And to just turn into just, just to take it, even if it's hurting me to just like soak that up that I'm intended to learn something from this pain or from what's happening and always keeping that, that heart to not rob people of what is beautiful, what they have because of my certain, I never wanted to be that, you know? Mm. So, um, but to turn and just face it, I think it was, I think it was on my brother, John, no, who got married, dude? I don't remember, but it was more important what the Lord's doing in my heart. Is just I watched people, someone get married, and I remembered like what I wanted, and it just was like just learning to celebrate like what other people, hmm. like what God's doing in other people for them, and just know that. In the Lord, pain makes you more, he brings fruit from it. Hmm. A Christian has the confidence that his sorrow is not without purpose. That only the sinner has sorrow without purpose. But the Christian does not have sorrow without purpose. He has sorrow with purpose. And uh, you don't always see it right away, but the Lord can bear fruit from, especially, the, like I said, those things, that it wasn't in your hands, you know. Hmm. That's why I enjoy like my conversations with Ivan, other people that have had certain things. He just called me the other night. Mm. Super cool, dude. Shout out Ivan, dude. Honestly, love you, bro. Super dope conversation. Yeah. Yep. It's mm. good. We got to have him back on soon. Yep. Come on for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, I mean, why don't we end with prayer? Yeah. Um, I'll lead it. And then uh, we're going to eat some pizza. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity uh, to get together, to hang out, to fellowship, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would have used this, Lord God, in a believer's life, Lord, that the conversation that we just had, Father, just whatever was, Lord God, just myself or even Mike, Lord God, just we just blow away, Father. But those things, Lord, that you desire to affect and change people's lives, may it take root, Father. I pray, Father, for this podcast that you would guide it, that you would help us, Lord God, bring those people who you desire us to have fellowship with. And Lord, I, I pray for Mike, for the ministries that he's involved with. Lord God, for where he's at, Lord God, is just a servant of the Lord. I pray you would just continue to give him that humility that you would exalt him alone. And we lift up Max, Father. Just continue to train him up in your ways, Lord. Continue to give him that joy, Lord God, that that gift from you. And for Lisette, just continue to prepare her, Father, and for me. <laughs> Lord, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but Father, <laughs> thank you for uh, blessing Lisette, Lord God, just with, Lord God, going through nursing school and preparing her, Lord God. You've brought her, Lord God, just so much. And I pray you continue to do so. Lord God, just put a hedge of protection around her. And Lord God, just be her 
her everything. We love you, Father. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I couldn't help myself. Oh man. Um, That's a wrap. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I just wanted to say, uh sorry, dude. Did no, you already push no, stop? You're good. Are you sure you didn't push it already? <laughs> uh I wanna say thank you to you guys who who tune in, man. Um thank you for sharing with us uh your time and for the opportunity, there's no purpose if, if we put it out. Nobody watches. So even for the one or two people that watch, <laughs> uh, we, we're thankful for you guys. God bless you guys. Love you guys.